Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. For this episode, I wanted to bring you an interview. This is Albert Flynn DeSilver, and he's written a book called Writing as a Path to Awakening, A Year to Becoming an Excellent Writer and Living an Awakened Life. And I thought that his story was really profound because, first of all, he's in recovery. He is recovered from alcoholism. We talk about how there's always other addictions that come into play that we're always working on. But his connection to higher power and his ability to use writing as a way to connect was really important for me to bring to the soul recovery community. I hope you'll stay to the end of the episode where he really shares deeply and tenderly and vulnerably about what's happening in his life today and how he is going through a difficult time and utilizing soul recovery, utilizing his spirituality, utilizing these tools to get to the other side. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, codependency, and control addiction. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we need to turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on our inner change and healing. Positive results in our lives will follow. Welcome to the Recovery Soul Podcast. This is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and I am really excited because today I have the honor of having a really special guest. And you know, I don't do guests very often, and this is because I think that Albert will be really, really powerful and helpful to the soul recovery community. This is Albert Flynn DeSilver. Hi, Albert. Hello, Rachel. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's an absolute joy to be with you, especially after that intentional prayer. Thank you. uh, I have to say that's really special. I've been on a bajillion podcasts and no one has ever really done that in such a, a beautiful way. So thank you for that. Thank you. For those of you that have spiritual coaching with me, you know that every session starts with a grounding centering prayer. And I find that it's essential for me to connect with the part of me that that is whole, that remembers that everything is working out for its highest good. Fun fact, before we get started, we were connected through one of your friends who is also a podcaster, and she had connected with me. And then she just sent an email saying, hey, I think you guys would be a good connection. You're in the same space. And I popped on and we had a little short little Zoom call and we immediately realized that we went to school together here at CU, which I just think is so great. I know. I love that. I love that. It's such a trip. And this was a long time ago. A very long time ago. Let's not tell people how long ago it was. You got your bachelor's of fine art at CU and I double majored and also got a bachelor's of fine art at CU. So we were in, we don't remember each other, but we were, we had to have been in classes together. I would imagine so. I don't know if you ever took any photo classes with um, Alex Sweetman. I did. So I bet we were in the dark room at least. At least. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> he actually showed up in my memoir. Oh, did he? Oh, that's okay. oh, yeah. I didn't use his name. So let's <laughs> give away. But I, I I, loved my time there. And he saw something in me when no one else really did, which is why I stuck with photography and ended up graduating. So he's people. talking about his memoir, Beamish Boy, which is one of his two books. And the reason I brought you on in particular is, first of all, you're sober. You're in recovery. Yes. 
And 32 years. 32 years. That's amazing. almost 32 years. <laughs> 32 years in September 1st. Congratulations. That's amazing. From one of the addictions. <laughs> Can't have just one <laughs> when you're an addict. No, they generally morph, right? So you think yeah. I, I quit drinking, but I definitely recognize other aspects of myself that I'm constantly having to keep in check. That's for sure. The other book that you've written is called Writing as a Spiritual Path to Awakening, A Year to Becoming an Excellent Writer and Living an Awakened Life. And you were so kind to send me a copy and I opened it up and immediately was so inspired by this truth of the awakened mind of the awakened consciousness that is soul recovery, that is this spiritual path to a happy and healthy life that can come from so many different ways. And because writing is something that I suggest to my clients, I was excited to bring you on to talk more about how writing has been part of your awakening and part of your recovery and to be able to share that with the soul recovery community. Yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, writing is a path to awakening. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of a true statement in terms of just my journey. And I, especially in terms of recovery, and when you talk about soul recovery, I think also in terms of creativity recovery, you know, they're not really mutually exclusive, but oftentimes in our, you know, when we get knocked out of our souls and out of when we get knocked into disconnection and addiction and etc., we lose our creativity. And so for me, that journey has been, they've been kind of um, dual paths. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got sober, I was, uh, you know, I, w- I, was, I was trying to figure out like, who am I? <laughs> what am I? What am I doing here? Well, first of all, I had to survive. So that was the first miracle was survival. And then I had never really thought about writing. It was it was photography and and trying to see the world in a unique way that that brought me back towards towards the center. And then um, you know, there was a fateful experience. In graduate school, after I left CU, I went to San Francisco to go to grad school for photography. And I fell in with all kinds of different artists, people who are doing um, performance art and computer art and painting and sculpture and everything. And and then I had a an art history teacher who was also a poet, Bill Berkson, who sent me off to a poetry reading. I wasn't really into poetry. I didn't know anything much about it, but he sort of sent me off to this reading. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll go. I don't have anything else going on. And I go to this thing. It turns out it's the launch reading for the Norton anthology of postmodern American poetry. And it was like an all-star cast at the Cowell theater in San Francisco. And my mind was just blown, you know, my heart was blown open. And I remember, um, hearing someone quoting the poet Jack Spicer from one of his famous poems that was actually about photography in some ways. And he said, um, unbind the dreamers, poet be like God. Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> Sign me up for that. You know, I didn't have that soul connection necessarily to photography at the time, but this was a direct kind of calling mm. you know it's like unbind the dreamers i was like i'm a dreamer oh it'd be like god i don't know what god is but seems ethereal and beautiful and i want to align with that and so that was the night i actually started writing and, interesting and, yeah. and were you sober yet that's this is right after you had quit drinking that you were having this opening up of your awarenesses the ability to see things differently feel things differently yes yeah, so I had been free of drinking. There were other substances that came into play around that time, but I wouldn't describe them as addictive. I didn't have an addictive relationship to them. And that's a whole other story that we right. can talk about if you want. But um, yeah, I was, for all intents and purposes, I was I was uh, sober and confronted with 
like the immediacy of my wound. Yeah. I will say. I think when we wake up, when we have that moment where we stop using what felt like the solution, when we Mm -hmm. stop using the thing that, you know, for me drinking initially wasn't because I wanted to shut down and be away from pain. It was, it was fun. You know, it was, it was a celebration. Mm -hmm. And then it quickly became a way to cope with the hole in my heart. Mm. And then I was 48. So I've only been sober for five years. You've got all those years, Mm. but I found that there was this opening for truth to speak to me that I couldn't hear before. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's so profound how that happens. Those little moments, that phrase that just opened that window for you. Yeah. And this was also right around the time that I met a friend who sent me to Spirit Rock and she was going to sit at this this place called Spirit Rock Meditation Center. I didn't know anything about meditation or what that was. And it was this Monday night thing in a trailer out in the San Geronimo Valley where I now live. And uh, there was Jack Cornfield holding court and teaching about compassion mm-hmm. and loving kindness and being with yourself and stillness. And all these things were like totally alien concepts to me because I was just so you know, amped up and in my head, totally mm-hmm. disconnected from my heart. And uh, and then I remember one of those early times that I went there, he devoted this whole Dharma talk to poetry. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is like, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting it from all sides. You know, this poetry thing is, is totally coming at me. All I could do was listen and surrender into that to the best of my ability at the time. So poetry was your first avenue into writing on your bio. It says yes. that you were poet laureate for Marin County. So, I mean, that's a huge deal. Yeah, that came later, not till mm-hmm. 2008. But yeah, I, I got heavy into poetry after that reading, which I believe was in 1994. I just hit the poetry bandwagon. I bought the anthology. I started buying books from all the the poets that I liked in the anthology. I started going to readings in San Francisco. I started writing myself, you know, and and then I heard about this organization called California Poets in the Schools. You know, they hire professional poets and they bring them in the classroom to teach kids not about poetry or to recite and memorize poems, but to write their own poems from their own experience. And I was like, wow, that's freaking awesome. I want to do that. (laughs) So I started uh, hovering about and going to their workshops and readings and things. And eventually I ended up training with and got a mentor. and, And within a couple of years, I was in the classroom teaching poetry. If you're ready for soul recovery, as a spiritual coach, I can support your healing to help make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. You can also work in smaller groups by taking a deep dive in a Zoom workshop or with me in person at a retreat or an event. Join others on the soul recovery path once a month for the free Zoom support group or daily on the private Facebook page. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions with me or find all the information you need about soul recovery, dates that are coming up, and how to register for those groups and workshops. To support the podcast and the community, check the links in the show notes to make a small monthly donation or a one-time donation of your choice that will make a huge impact to support this community and the soul recovery mission. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. Do you think poetry, like for someone who doesn't write, so in the soul recovery community, we're learning how to turn the attention to ourselves. We're learning how to quit needing everybody else to be okay for us to be okay. I have the soul recovery steps, which have a likening to 12 step, but have their own more spiritual flavor. We're we're learning how to connect with parts of ourselves that maybe we're shut down And do you feel like poetry is a way to be able to move into that for people? What would you suggest in terms of early writing for people to start to connect with their heart? Absolutely. I mean, how do I know what I think or what I feel 
unless I write it down. Mm. I mean, I suppose you can sing it, uh, you can record it auditorily, but there's something about the process and the practice of writing. You know, I talk about this a little bit in the book about how writing is one of our most intensive points of focus and attention that we have as, as human beings. So it's sort of like when we're writing, especially when we're we're writing uninhibited and we're just speaking to ourselves or we're speaking to the great spirit and there's no intermediary saying, oh, this has to be good or this has to be something to be out in the world. But no, it's just me and you uh, on the page. And I'm just, just, you know, I'm just reflecting on what I'm I'm really experiencing in this moment. Um, That's powerful because mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of things that are happening at that in that moment there's you know you're gaining clarity you're like oh wow i didn't know i felt this way about xyz and you're also releasing um, so there's this kind of energetic release and then there's also an energetic mirroring back that happens with writing and you know when you take it to that next level of of poetry where it's starting to become shapely as Allen Ginsberg might have said, um, then that's a whole nother thing where you're sort of adding in, you know, layers of conversation with perhaps an audience, but you're integrating the elements of language. You know, you're starting to to engage with language on another la- mm-hmm. on another level to accentuate your communion. I think right. with spirit, right? You know, for me journaling has been such a profound part of my healing Mm. and I don't consider myself a good writer. And there's this sort of constant conversation with my husband and I, where he wants to edit what I write down to this. He went to see you as well and remembers the writing class that we all had to take in school, which was this, how do you just pause there for a second though? I should have done this earlier, (laughs) but like without, you know, take away that self-assessment, right? You know, you don't, you began by saying, I don't consider myself a good writer, but that's just story, right? right? That's, that's just ideas coming from some external voice we don't know. And, you know, it may be your husband, maybe a teacher, maybe a, a, you know, guardian or parent from a million years ago, but a writer is somebody who writes. And so if you allow yourself to, to just be with that writing and be in love with that process, then you're a writer and good, bad assessment evaluation is not your business ultimately. Which is such a great reminder (laughs) because in soul recovery, my constant message is non-judgment, you know, Mm -hmm. non-judgment, (laughs) non-judgment. Yeah. But I I feel, I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, you're welcome to. I love it. Um, (laughs) What I have found, And I so appreciate what you're saying, because what I found is that when I'm in my journal, I can let go of that external thing that says I'm a good or bad writer, because it's really just about me and my heart. Yes. And it's taking it's taking the spin that can go on in my mind about what the story is or what my pain Mm -hmm. is or what my excitement is or what my fear is. And it's giving it a place to settle down and uh, work itself out and through that writing over the years has been profound change in my life about how I connect with myself, how I connect with my higher power, what I write about. And the more healing I've had, the less I write about how pissed I am at the world. And the Mm -hmm. more I write that feels like um, I'm being given the voice of healing and the yeah. voice of wisdom and guidance. Mm-hmm. And then that's given me more strength, more compassion to myself to go out in the world and and write from that soul recovery perspective that has let go of my husband's wanting to edit my stuff down to some academic something and have more mm-hmm. ability to say, this is my voice. This is how it sounds. And I don't want to take away my voice. I don't need it to look academic. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Do you know, I perfect example of this. I mean, there's so many great examples. My friend, Rosemary, what told great poet, and she writes a poem a day, no matter what, wow. and sends it out into the world. And she's been doing this for years. And it's amazing that the consistency of 
truth and authentic voice. You know, I think of someone like Rupi Kaur, you know, who's now like a million times over bestseller, mm. started just writing very simple, very beautiful, immediate, raw. Well, they they read kind of journalistically, like private journalistics, but then they they have this echo and this flavor that we can all relate to. And, you know, fast forward 10 years and she's on tour in cities all over the world. <laughs> I don't know if you know her work, but she's kind of a, she's a force of nature. Just incredible. I'll have to look it up. I love that. I'm learning so much more about everything that it makes me want to gobble up and soak up. And one of the things I was reading in your book, Writing as a Path to Awakening, one of the things I love about this book is that it isn't meant to be sat down and digested in one sitting. It's really intended to give yourself a year, which is what it takes for awakening. It takes mm. time to awaken. It takes time to change. <laughs> yeah. So just to go back to my original thought, which is in the February, you talk about different ways of reading that you can skim and dive in deep, use a swimming as the, as the idea around it. And I, I loved that because I feel like I'm so desiring to get information. What I got from that is I got permission to not take the deep dive into everything. The mm -hmm. reminder that you can just skim over some content um, because I feel like there's a part of me that feels like I, I need to really hunker down and digest into everything and I don't have time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's there's that element of savoring. So I did create this framework just so that that people could pace their development around both the writing and the meditation as a as a complementary dual path, and that it's not a rush. We're not rushing to the finish line. There is no finish line, and. Um, and yes, it's a year, but it could be 10 years. It could be 100 years. It could be 100 lifetimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but may this be a springboard in this lifetime to, to just new ways of thinking about the possibilities, you know, for you as a creative person. And not just for writing, but for other arts. You know, there's a couple of different um, exercises, one in particular around photography, which I think we already mentioned, one of my great loves of mm -hmm. just using photographs to kind of launch into ideas and and feelings around being in the world. One of the things about awakening and soul recovery in the sense that I think my community has is we're learning how to expand our inner selves, how to trust our viewpoint, how to trust our feelings, how to not be codependent, how to not put other mm -hmm. people's needs first. And creativity is such a great marker for that because so often we're we're taking care of the whole world and then we don't do for ourselves. And then mm -hmm. people think like, oh, to be creative, I need to be a great painter or I need to be a great photographer. I need and in soul recovery, what I'm constantly trying to remind people is that this is unique to you. And it doesn't have to be something that is recognized or approved of in the world. It's mm -hmm. really for your own inner experience and to learn that we can have our own inner experience and that's valid and that we are worthy in it and that we are fulfilled in that to not even mm -hmm. need somebody else's recognition. And yes. so I love that creativity allows for that avenue of, of self-learning and self-love and self-expression. Yes, absolutely. And the only way that I know of to get back to that is through silence and stillness. Mm. If we consider there is so much noise in the world these days, especially online and with computers and our phones and billboards and all this information, to be in silence, to reconnect with that still small voice within, right? which is giving us this, this conversational portal to our soul. Uh, we need that silence. We need that stillness. And it's rare in this, this day and age, and we have to claim it uh, because we deserve it. I think it brings us really back to our humanity. You know, I think part of the, the um, 
you know, a lot of the destruction that we see in the world, you know, the world, when I say the world, I mean like the media world and the political world and all of those structures. There's there's so much damage there because people are totally consumed mm-hmm. in information. They're totally responding and reacting constantly to externals and they're completely disconnected from the internal from the silence and stillness i think they're they're terrified of it honestly well we don't know how we don't know how i know people who say i don't want to meditate because i don't want to actually hear what's going on inside of there we're right. we're afraid right. of it yes. but one of the things i loved you know just in the looked at the book that i wanted to touch on was some people think of meditation purely as that sitting in the silence and that you're supposed to, you know, wipe everything from your mind, which I'm always saying it's not about wiping. It's about learning how to come back, learning how to be mindful. But you also have like the February chapter has a reading meditation. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the different kinds of meditations that you've used in your life to help you in your awakening. Yeah, so there is periods of silence. And of course, it helps to be guided. So I do a lot of guided meditations. There's guided meditations in the book. Um, I think lead-in words can be very powerful, especially when they're well-intended. You know, your your prayer to begin this podcast was a perfect example of that. You know, that sets the tone. It sets the intentionality. Um, It brings us to a place of entry, you know, gentle entry. And I think it's just a balance point, really, you know, of of not allowing things to be, allowing us to be guided in, but not cluttered about Mm -hmm. after Mm -hmm. that, you know, and so, but it does. Writing is a meditation. You know, that's an interesting question. I get a little uncomfortable when people talk about, you know, gardening is meditation or or um, writing is meditation or, uh, you know, there are certainly these activities, they have a kind of concentrated quality to them or a meditative quality to them uh, because you can get immersed and you can kind of go into a, a certain kind of flow state. But I do like to qualify it as, as different, not better than, you know, but just simply different. There's something different. There's something very different about sitting uh, in stillness and in silence and being with your breath, being with that uncertainty, being with whatever emotion is true for you in this moment, being with whatever sensation is is in you in this moment, and allowing yourself to expand around that and to look a little more closely at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that, I think I do think it's very important to do this slowly and with support, because as simple as it is, it's not for the faint of heart. Like it can be, you know, especially for those of us who have experienced trauma and abuse and violence, it can be really intense. I remember I tell this story about that these first time I did a day-long retreat at Spirit Rock, and I was probably 20 seven years old or 26 years old or something. And I was the guy in the back of the room curled up in the fetal position, just bawling my eyes out for no reason during the meditation, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was because my nervous system finally got quiet enough to experience the true grief Mm -hmm. and the true true sadness of being disconnected from family and, and all of it. So it helps to just get a lot of support around it. Yeah. To go for five minutes, to go for, um, two minutes and then build build up until things start to expand. Yeah, I love that reminder that it doesn't have to be hours long and it doesn't have no. to look a certain way. No. That, no. that just starting little bits at a time is all that you need. And do you still, I know for me, I'm still figuring it out in such a profound way. I feel like my life continues to unfold deeper layers of awakening and awareness. What does that look like for you in terms of your craft and your way of connecting with your higher power? What does that unfolding and continued journey look like? It's uh, that's a great question. And um 
This is kind of hard to talk about for me, but I'll do it anyways, because we can do hard things, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Isn't there a podcast with that name? Glennon Doyle's podcast. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> that's where it is. Yeah, you know, it's we were talking earlier about going from one addiction to another. So I, I, I know that I'll never drink again. Like I have no desire for alcohol. I see it as a poison for me. And uh, so that's easy. Like I don't have to worry about that. Because it's like the equality is just like, now you're going to ruin your life if you do this, hands down. (laughs) So, but with other stuff around, and in my case, these days, it's more around issues of money and spending and debt and things like that. That's my edge right now Mm. is working with that and going back to the beginning and being like, I thought I had this stuff figured out. Like I'm 55 years old, like I've made it this far. I have an amazing life. You know, I live in Northern California. I'm, I hit the relationship lottery jackpot. (laughs) Like those things are super stable and amazing. I'm totally in touch with my creativity. And yet there are these still these things, you know, around money. Like, I don't know what that is, but I'm working with that. That's the layer I'm peeling back. And so I'm having to go like with my spiritual practice, it's like, oh, I thought I had this like this sort of deep awareness around all these things. And then in this particular area, it's revealing a whole nother layer, you know, like when you go through back through the steps, it's like, oh, I thought I was this person. But no, there's actually this character defect that I have not ironed out that needs to be re <laughs> re-examined. And it's it's a call for humility mm-hmm. at every moment. You know, it's a call for for um, reconnect. Like it's a you just start to realize, oh, this is an endless journey. Like I thought that I would get to certain like finish lines, as it were, but no, it just kind of keeps expanding and keep unraveling. Keep asking HP, as it were, keeps asking me to go deeper. Right. Okay. Now you don't have this. Like, like, bring it down a notch, Albert. You got to eat some crow here and and get humble and and revisit some of these things. Thank so. you for your vulnerability in that and that honesty, because I think that one of, for me, one of the things that I've had such clarity on is that piece that says, this work is so valuable and so important and my life is so much fuller and I am more connected but being checked in is a lot more work than it was to be checked out. Mm. The humility, mm. um, it's interesting when you were saying that, the humility for me is a reminder to stay vigilant of my spiritual practice and that addictions of all kinds, which generally are around control, which is what soul recovery is around, mm-hmm. are sneaky Sneaky, sneaky, super sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I, I think that, you know, I've had success in one place and then I watch my discomfort or my desire to soothe myself in some other way, sneak up. And if I don't do my routine and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be so strict that you can't go anywhere or do anything, but if I don't have spirituality in my life every day, the 12 step says having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. You know, if I don't do my spiritual practice, my spiritual awakening like leaves me, it slips mm-hmm. away. And then I'm yes. back in, I'm back in control. I'm back in, yes. in pain and in suffering again. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, I mean, okay, so here's a perfect example. And this is hard to say out loud, but um, I basically don't get to teach writing anymore right now. I mean, right now, I should say Mm -hmm. right now. I can't figure it out financially. I just Mm -hmm. cannot figure it out. I've tried for many years. I've like applied all the control, all the willpower that I possibly can to make this thing work. I have the book, right? I've got the platform. I've got the supposedly the followers and all this nonsense, um, but it's just not enough to create a sustainable business. So this is just an example. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, I'm having to reassess and, you know, look at employment and look at 
different ways of, of supporting myself at this point. And this is really, really hard for me to say yeah. you know, out loud. This is really hard for me to, and I'm basically in the process of shutting down my business entity as we speak. And I can't believe I'm saying this out loud on a podcast, but but like I just want to be real about this. This is life, you know, this is the journey of life. And I don't, I'm, you know, I I don't want to be pretending anymore. Like this is because you can, you can pretend pretty good online. You know, you can put up a facade and you can have the nice website and the shiny objects. And people think, oh my God, wow, you're just living the dream. I, someone said that to me the other day. I was the other day, this was about a year or two ago. And I was on the road um, going to Colorado. As a matter of fact, I was teaching at Shambhala Mountain Center mm-hmm. and I had a box of books in my car and I had my mountain bike with me and and I stopped in uh, Salt Lake City and I just ran into some people and I met them and I told them, I said, oh yeah, I'm on this little tour. I'm doing some teaching and I've got this new book out and they're like, oh my God, that's amazing. You're living the dream. Right. I was like, yeah, I'm living the dream. And I wasn't, I was living the, I was in a dream, <laughs> total dream. This was not a financially stable trip. You know, I lost money on that trip and it pushed me further into debt and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, here I am. You know, it's so profound Being, about that. Thank you again for sharing that, because I also think that we have this perception of what it means to be something like that. If I am a writer, then I need to have best-selling books or I need yes. to be a teacher. Like, yes. And that comes back to, I've been listening to a lot of Ram Dass lately, of, of the role that we play, of the the I am that we, that we claim ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, from the spiritual perspective, there's the truth that that it's unlimited, right? That mm-hmm. we can have and be and do whatever we desire. And yet I think sometimes our desire gets pinpointed on a pinpoint that feels like that's what society says to be a success. Albert, for you to be a successful writer, you have to have this thing versus what if writing is the opening of your awareness and and touching people's lives and it doesn't mean that um that it looks a particular way you know i've let go of this in my own thing which is i don't make a ton of money doing what i do but i'm helping people and that means more to me than anything else and at this Absolutely. moment i'm providing my part of the family budget that is my responsibility, but that may change, you know, but am I Rev Rachel? And this is my, you know, I'm stamping in the dirt. This is who I am. And when I start to do that, I lose traction of what my purpose is in my own internal healing. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, I'm supposed to be a writer, teacher guy, and, you know, I thought I would be on tour and making a living and doing all this. And it, it and I have at times, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, in the long term, it's just not sustainable. And so I'm supposed to be doing something else to manage that economic imperative. And uh, I'll figure that out, what that is. And it, it, but it does get entangled, you know, and when you, when I do, and I know this from talking to people in my community and just the feedback I get that I'm in this process of helping people mm-hmm. and inspiring people and supporting people on their spiritual journey, on their creative journey. And it's like, okay, where's the money? Right. <laughs> you know, and one could get all like, ah, embittered about that. It's like, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe just that's supposed to come from that yeah. place and that's okay. And that's okay. So I'm, you know, willing to pivot and to adjust and know that there's something else out there. How are you caring for your internal self? What are the what is the process that you're using? I mean, this is soul recovery, what you're talking yeah. about, to to be gentle to yourself, to love yes. yourself, to still feel your value and your worth, even though this particular dream didn't end up looking like what mm-hmm. you thought it wanted to look like. How are you doing that way? Well, you know, what I always do, which is staying connected to my writing, um, which nourishes me no matter what, 
you know, staying close to my meditation practice, um, staying close to my spending time in nature practice <laughs> and being with the non-human world, um, which in our little neck of the woods is just beaming and radiating everywhere mm. right now. Like the flowers are going off, the birds are going off. It's just, it's really magical right now to stay open and connected to that is extremely nourishing and to get out on my mountain bike because mm. otherwise I go totally berserk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what's, what's really coming to me is that just that profound awareness of how the trust of spirit, the trust of our emotional, spiritual growth means to really allow yourself to feel all those feelings, to feel the grief, to feel mm -hmm. the loss, and to remind ourselves that we are whole and okay, mm -hmm. and that we are being guided and led, and that grasping that we have, it's in all of us, this, you know, this need to have certainty or to have it come out a certain way or to be a certain thing. And all spirituality says, if you can realize that you are nothing, you will become everything. And that's, <laughs> that's, right. that's so hard. And then when, when it's presented to you, here's an opportunity to, to learn it. You're like, I don't want to learn that. You know, I want to learn it without the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So true. I mean, it's how to sort of balance that abstraction with your feet on the earth, in the real world, with the demands of a capitalist society. You know, it's it's the work. It's the real work. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's uh, humbling. Yeah. And, humbling. and to me, I'm cautious of the word humbling in the sense that most people can let that make it feel like you're supposed to be smaller than. Mm. And yeah. And my real take on his quote unquote, his will, his guidance as a metaphysical minister, my take in, especially in soul recovery of the power of is when we are connected to spirit, when we are connected to that knowing that we are held by love, that the humbling is the allowing the guidance of that still small voice that wants that wants the greatest for you, wants the fulfillment mm -hmm. for you, but we're grasping to what we thought that was supposed to look like mm -hmm. and allowing the belief that it's not about making you feel smaller, but leading you in a direction that may be different than what you thought, but is when you look back, you go, as we have all done in our lives, even including being alcoholics, you know, it's like, oh, I needed that part that was an essential piece of my mm -hmm. learning. If I had held on tightly to this part of me, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am here today. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. So I, the question that I keep coming back to is like, okay, how can I serve? Mm -hmm. How do you want me to serve now? I, I was sort of imposing how can I serve onto my ideal way of serving, <laughs> which, you know, is sort of like, okay, it's a little too much elbowing in, a little too much controlliness there. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really trying to ask these days, you know, how do you want me to serve mm -hmm. Great Spirit? Like, what, what does that look like? I thought it was supposed to look like teaching meditation and teaching writing and, and being that, that catalyst for transformation for people, being that system. But, you know, I mean, it can show up in any way, shape, mm -hmm. or form. It can be observed if you think about certain special interactions you've had with people in the world in your daily life when you're present and when you're open to them, whether it's a janitor, whether it's a cashier, whether it's a nurse, uh, uh, you know, whether it's an administrator, when you offer that transmission of love and presence mm -hmm. in a moment, like that's service. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm here, like teacher guy with the book, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, it can be, it, it just step back and allow it to be what it wants to be. 
it reminds me actually of something you said in the beginning of, of our talking about the photography teacher at CU, oh, yeah. that he saw you before you could see yourself and that he may never know what that interaction was. And that we often don't know how we're showing up for people and the profound impact that we can have on people in ways that we'll never see. Well, and here's the thing about that. That's, that's very subtle. And it wasn't like, Oh, Albert, you're an awesome photographer. I think you're fabulous. These are great pictures. It was more (laughs) like I didn't get yelled at. Right. Or I didn't get overly criticized that there was a certain level of just kind of, either calm acceptance or curiosity uh, in that interaction. Mm-hmm. But I did feel like that, like that, that there were, he, you know what he, I think he saw was that I was committed and that mm-hmm. I was interested. That's what he saw. And I think that's a huge piece for, um, for creativity. Like if you want to make a life in creativity or in writing or in, in dance or in art, it's like, are you obsessed with this topic, with this subject? Are you into it? Like, are you really going to going to delve deeply and explore it and remain curious and, and stay steady on that journey? Or is this just kind of a thing you want to get a grade for and move on? And, <laughs> you know? and just back, piggybacking on what we were just talking about previously, that dedication is so essential. And yet in the end, the happiness comes from within, you know, the Mm -hmm. satisfaction of life comes from within. And so our obsession over anything, I've been talking a lot about like the light and the dark of everything. Mm -hmm. So we have these character defects, these defense mechanisms, these personality traits, whatever you want to call them and how um, we can get hard on ourselves for something that feels like it's supposed to be, you know, one of our negative traits but really there's a light and a dark in everything. There's an aspect mm. of it that has allowed us to get to where we wanted to be in our lives. And that drive, that dedication has such a value. And then it gets a little gray where mm-hmm. it starts to muddy the waters of our lives. And then it turns into darkness where we're determined to make that work at all costs. And we leave everything else to the side. And we think that it's going to make us what's happy and our ego gets involved and it's not a judgment of, oh, that's bad. It's more an awareness that this is the journey, that everything flows from the light into the dark and to mm-hmm. accept and love all of it and to move towards the light, to notice when we're in the dark and to move to the light and to love ourselves completely. Yes. Yeah. yeah in terms of the creative journey, it's just, you know, surrendering to the process mm-hmm. and not the product. Right. You've heard it before, but, you know, I'm struggling with this, you know, because who doesn't want to be acknowledged? Mm-hmm. And that acknowledgement is, is publication. It's it's readings. It's, you know, I'm not doing this. I'm doing this for myself and I'm doing it for the world. And I'm I'm trying to get to that place of not seeing a separation yeah. between those two devotions. Um, That's a powerful place to be. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful place to be. Well, I thank you so much for sharing so openly and honestly and vulnerably. And I I feel like it touches on the journey that we're all on, on some level of finding our place in the world, utilizing Mm -hmm. creativity to attach to ourselves and get connected to ourselves and our higher power. And I really recommend your book to anybody not if only for people who like me, I want to learn how to, I want to write a book someday. I want to write the soul recovery book. So it's, it's yes. empowering me to, may it be so <laughs> to write my soul recovery book, but more, I want continued tools to be on my spiritual journey and to be on my path of awakening, which isn't always easy. It's a very windy road. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Total blessing. This has been really fun. Yeah, I agree. And I I know that we're going to continue to have interaction on some level because the universe doesn't do this kind of thing by mistake. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Albert. Thank you, Rachel. Be well. Thank you. Until next time. Namaste. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recover Your Soul podcast and being a part of this community. If you loved this episode and you want even more, there is a bonus episode every Friday. This is by subscription. You can access this by being a Patreon member. And in that, there are three tiers of giving to choose from or by being an Apple Podcast subscriber. After you have become a subscriber or a member, there's an entire year of back episodes to help support your journey in addition to that new episode every Friday. I really encourage you to take advantage of this deeper dive of soul recovery and additional content. And I thank you for supporting the community by doing so. I invite you to go to the website recoveryoursoul.net and hit subscribe so that you can receive email updates. And I also would love for you to follow on social media. Recover Your Soul is on YouTube, Facebook. We have that private Facebook page. It's on Instagram and TikTok. And if you look for Rev Rachel Harrison on Insight Timer, you can have additional guided meditations. I'm here to support you on your soul recovery journey as your spiritual or life coach. This is unique to every single person. There are nine steps of soul recovery that are my general guide of leading you through what is supposed to be not a long-term, but a short time together. There's no long-term commitment. And as a matter of fact, you can use the coupon code in the show notes and just see if it feels like a good fit. This is my way of helping you to discover the fullness of who you are. I've had such a major transformation in my life, and I'm here to help you support your transformation as well. It is a unique path to every single person. It's not intended to be a really long-term relationship. It's meant to coach you to make deep and real changes with action in your life. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.